Hi, and welcome to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Chris Saroy, and this is the place to be to get unstuck, unleash your superpowers and create a world that works for all. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us, and we aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to give you the clarity, courage, conviction that you need to make your mark on the world. Our guest this week is author, speaker, and life coach, Brian Falchuk. Brian went from obese and depressed to running marathons, and he's faced nearly losing his wife while his young son watched. He transformed his life using his do-a-day philosophy, which has enabled him to lose £100, run marathons, become a best-selling author and writer for Inc. magazine, as well as becoming a TEDx speaker. Brian's also become a C-level exec at a major finance company. What I really love about Brian is his realness and his compassion. There really aren't many senior execs you hear talking about self-love, service and helping people. He's a really big-hearted guy with a huge message about how you can truly transform your life. And so with that, let's get to it. So hi Mavericks, it's Chris here again, and this week we have a very special guest all the way from the USA, uh, Mr. Brian Falchuk, author of Do A Day and a man with a really kind of quite inspirational transformation story. So hi Brian, welcome and thank you for being with us this morning. Hey Chris, thanks for having me on. It's it's great to talk to you, and I've been been reading about your story, and uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. So, the first place I always start, Brian, is I just ask every guest, what does the word maverick mean to you? To us, it's kind of an authentic, true-hearted person, kind of unleashing their superpowers and doing that bit for the world. But what does that word mean for you? Yeah, I love that. You know, in the U.S. context, there's a political like joke that evolved around the word maverick and Saturday Saturday Night Live had their fun with the word. So I'm going to set all of that aside because there's definitely connotations there for me as well, um, or memories at least. But, you know, I think I think the way you're describing it is is more beautiful uh, and purposeful than my first inclination in the word, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just different as I'm thinking about trailblazing. And it, mm. it's someone who, you know, there's a path. And, and I think this is so crucial to what I work on is we all just sort of live mindlessly. Like we just trudge through our day-to-day like automatons. And a maverick is the one who raises their head up, you know, and, and breaks from that to blaze right. a path of purpose. And that, like in today's world, that's being very much a maverick because that is not the way most people live their lives or society reinforces our lives to be lived. Right, right couldn't agree with you more and that and that's the thing it is that's why we chose the word mavericks it's that that following that authentic kind of call of the heart as it were yeah. so great great to, so based on that definition i mean from what i know of your story that that moniker definitely applies to you as it were so why don't you ju- just to give us a, a way and why don't you kind of give us a, a top line of your story as it were yeah yeah so um you know, my, my story, unfortunately for speed, goes way, way back. Um, it's just, I was a little kid, five, six years old. My parents got divorced. I was one of four. And, um, you know, getting caught in that situation, mm. I, I lost what most kids really need. And that's the sense that everything's going to be okay. And my parents were too caught up with the divorce and, you know, three other kids in the household. Um, so I sort of got lost in the fray. And my, that emotional stability, that emotional need, cause I'm still so young that just wasn't being met. And, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for that. That's sort of a casualty of war, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I had to look somewhere else cause I certainly was, was nowhere near mature, emotionally mature enough to handle it myself. So I turned to food cause it's always there. It wasn't arguing, it wasn't moving out, you know, it never, mm. never questioned me or, or any of that. And it felt good. The problem is, 
uh, food is not a cure for emotional distress. Like I've done that research. It doesn't work. Right. And if that's why you're eating, as soon as you're done eating, the whole impetus to eat is still there because food doesn't actually do anything for it. So you just, you need to eat again. And people like, you know, was it, was it a fast and furious thing or was it kind of like bit by bit every year you put on a few pounds? And I mean, it was like, you look at a picture of me, there's this picture I have in my mind when I was four years old and I'm this like smiley, skinny little kid. I mean, the, the smile on my face, I don't recognize it. And then wow. you look at a picture of me when I was six mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm busting out of my clothes. I'm not quite Augustus Glute kind of round, but right. um, I was big and I would eat everything in sight. And so I got up to about a hundred pounds overweight. So like I, I, you know, everyone talks about wanting to be at your high school weight or for the UK, your college weight. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm at the weight I was when I entered fifth grade when I was 10. Wow. So, okay. you know, I, that, that's that transformation. I lost weight when I was a teenager, but I never dealt with why I was obese. And so like a lot of people, I put the weight back on because I was consumed by anxiety and I was depressed. And I just, mm. you know, I, I got educated on exercise and eating better. So I had the tools, but I never dealt with the reason. And that, that haunted me through, you know, most of my early adult life. Sure. Uh, and put me on that path of kind of mindlessness and, and going nowhere. Right, right. So here you are in early adulthood, um, kind of having some tools, maybe kind of have lost some weight, kind of gained weight from a very early age. So that obviously isn't where you are now, as it were. No. So what happened then? So it took me a forcing moment. Uh, to break free. So I, I got married in my 20s. My wife and I had a kid. Um, he was born like right around when I turned 30 a couple months later. Mm. Uh, and then fast forward to when I was 32, you know, I had gotten up to 222 pounds. So I was about 45 pounds overweight. I should, at the time, I believed I should be somewhere around 180. Okay. Um, and I have no idea in stones or kilograms what that <laughs> is, but it's a lot. Like it's, it's too much. You know how I described it is I looked obese as a kid. I didn't look obese anymore. I just looked like an American, like, we're right. all kinda, you know, chronically a bit overweight and unhealthy. So yeah. no one, no one noticed me anymore. Whereas growing up, I was like, Oh, look at that fat kid. You know, it was like, I stood out and I got judged for it. Mm. Uh, but, but now I just looked like everyone else. So it was sort of like a, a more, morbidity problem not a mortality problem right you know? right right and so it, sorry go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say so this moment in 2011 my wife became very seriously sick our son was two i was 32 um i weighed 222 like I, there's a theme of twos here yeah. um, so she she has a chronic illness we didn't know about that it had reared its head now and then throughout her life and it was just sort of these inexplicable 24 to 48 hour episodes of okay. extreme pain and fevers and chills and, and no one could ever explain it. So they're always like, Oh, you caught a bug. You get a 24 hour flu, you, you know? And by the time she could get into the hospital to be seen, it would, had sort of already passed. So there was really nothing to diagnose anymore. Yep. Um, and they're just like, you know, it just keeps hitting you. Sorry. So she got one of these episodes. It didn't pass. And it just every day, you know, I, like I took a day off from work thinking like she just needs to get through this day and then she'll be okay. Mm. She's a stay-at-home mom taking care of our son. So I, you know, I stayed home. But day after day, it just didn't pass. And it not only didn't pass, it got worse. And that, it's not like it started lightly and built. It starts pretty severe. So for it to get worse, is a, a, it's a pretty serious thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so she starts losing a tremendous amount of weight. She dropped down to just about a hundred pounds, basically couldn't get out of bed, couldn't really take any food um, or keep it down. And her doctor called me on June 30th to say, uh, I'm going on vacation for six weeks. Yeah. We really don't know what this is. Don't really know what to do about it, but let's check in when I'm back. And I just said, doctor, she's losing two pounds a day. She barely weighs a hundred pounds and she can't get out of bed. She will not be here when you're back. And wow. he just kind of flippantly said, oh, okay, we'll take her to the emergency room if you need to. And he hung up. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So I walked back into our bedroom. My son is there looking at his mother in pain in bed as she has been for days. Like he's watching all of this unfold. Yeah. And it just hit me. Like he turned and looked at me. And when I saw his eyes, um, I was just struck with this, like, what, what am I doing? And it's not like, you know, I said, what am I doing here? And it's not like, why don't I split? Like, I don't need to deal with this. It wasn't that at all. It was like, I have a strong hand in the way this is going or the better that it's not going. So from my wife's perspective, I might be doing things like I'm making the food. I, I was able to work from home for a month to try to help get things stabilized and find someone to help full time. Um, so I was there, yeah. but emotionally I was so caught in the anxiety I had from my childhood. And just, this is the way I am is like, you know, starting from that early age, my sense is everything's about to go wrong and it's going to hit me in the face. And as a little kid, I couldn't do anything about that. As an adult, I can. So I, I became the fixer. So it's like anything that smells like there's a hint of going wrong, I get kind of pissed off. And I went into action. And so all of her, like, you know, her pain, her suffering is triggering me really heavily. And I'm not an understanding person about it. I'm a like, get out of my way, stop it and let me fix this kind of person, which is not great when you think you're dying. (laughs) That's not supportive. So I'm failing her as a husband. I'm not giving her like she's fighting for her life and I'm making her feel like she's a bother making it worse stop it we you just need to do this this and this that that's not like that is not going to help her get through this no no and for my son you know mommy was there with me every day and now she's not and daddy's home which is weird um you know daddy's supposed to be at work during the day and daddy will you play with me daddy will you read to me that you know whatever he's looking to me for because his mother's in bed yeah, and I'm, and I'm too busy and angry. It's like, oh, I can't read to you right now. I have to do this. I have to do that. And, you know, this poor little boy, like he, exactly as I did, he just wants to feel like everything's okay. And he doesn't understand what he's feeling. And I'm not giving him what he needs for his stability. Right. So I'm failing her. If I think what I went through as a little kid was definitional, losing your mother too is way more definitional than that. And, and I'm failing him. Of course. Like he has no no chance at a happy life if he's only going to have one parent and it's me. So mm. that's not acceptable. And at the time I stopped there, but in retrospect, what, what I understand was also going on is this sense of, and I'm failing myself because I actually shockingly deserve better than I was giving myself. And that's something at the time was really subconscious. Mm-hmm. I hadn't fully grasped that. It's like I had sort of resigned myself in this role of the angry fixer. Like I wasn't living my life. I was working there. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, I felt like this is who I am. This is the cards I've been dealt. I just have to deal with it and get on with it. And actually, I don't want that. Like, okay, so things happen. That's called life. You know, it's not all roses. 
So you can either choose a better path and choose to be more resilient and find a way out and recognize like, if I'm the fixer, that means I can solve things. That's a good thing. I don't need to look at it as a problem all the time, but that's how I chose to. And it doesn't mean it's an easy choice. And some people get offended when I start using the word choice. Like I didn't choose for this to happen. It's like, no, of course not. But consciously or subconsciously, you are choosing how you feel about it. Absolutely. And how you're responding to it. Right. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it doesn't take work or any of that. Yes to all of that. And you can still do it. Yeah. And the fact that you're still here today means you've done it every other time you've been faced with that, no matter how impossible all of those things felt. And I don't want to hear, well, this time's different. Look, my wife was about to die. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah she, she is still alive today because Amazing. we recognized we've gotten through every other challenge so far. So let me ask you this then, Brian, because this, this sounds like a real moment. And I find it with a lot of the people I've worked with, there's often that moment, isn't there? So here you are, your, uh, your wife is extremely sick. Your son is kind of going through this situation he doesn't understand. And you're in this place of fixing and kind of feeling resentful about that. And as you say, there is kind of this, this recognition that, you know, of do, you know, the possibility of doing better for your wife, for yourself, and for your son. What was it that, that caused that shift in perception or consciousness that allowed you to see that and kind of make a different choice as it were? So I would love to say I was in this place of brilliance and I decided to be <laughs> introspectful and thought about it, which is actually, that is how you can get there. For me, I got smacked in the face and that um, I needed that wake up call. But with the right help, I could have done it without the smack in the face. And obviously that would be preferential, but it was this like the gravity of what was about to happen. Cause I mean, in all honesty, the, the most likely reality was she would not be here in a month and I would be a widower at an age where, you know, it's one thing if I was 85, you know, it's terrible, but that's what happens at that point in your life. One of you mm-hmm. will lose the other one, not when you're 32 and you've just no. had your first kid. Um, right. So that, that is not what I signed up for, what I expected, what I wanted, you know, any of it. I'm about to be a single parent to this amazing, amazing little boy who deserves so much better. And mm-hmm. I'm not a good role model for him. I'm not a good support for him. And I felt like not just that I was failing, but God, I want to do better for him. My love for my son is so real. I want nothing more than his happiness. And I have the power to help him with that. And I'm not, and I wanted better for that. So that was really strong. Right. And I, I took those two feelings with me the next day and subconsciously there is this like, and I want better for me and I actually value myself enough. And through, through hindsight and, and being introspective, I pulled that piece of it out too. So those three things came together. And I, I mean, I felt it in my bones I woke up the next morning, July 1st, and I was like, it's still there. And it's, if anything, it's stronger. And I recognized, like, I, I get up really early. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is, is at peace and still and quiet. And so I can spend some time with myself. And that's what I did. And I was like, look, this is a feeling you've never had before. Um, anytime you've had a strong feeling, you've let it pass you by and you've missed the opportunity. This feeling is different. And this opportunity, you can't let it go because there's too much at stake. So either watch it slip away and watch your life continue to crumble forever, or 
grab hold of the lifeline that this is and do something. And that was a very conscious recognition. And that's what I did. So there were very specific things that were first and foremost wrong in my life that I wanted better that were 100% of my control. Like obviously my wife's health, that was a major thing, but that's not 100% of my control. I can help affect it, but I can't, that's not just like for me to fix myself. Yeah. And so I, I, I recognized three key things that were major blockers to anything I wished to achieve going forward and would make a significant impact on my son's life because of the man that it would help me be. Mm-hmm. And that's where I took that purpose, that sense of true motivation I was feeling. And I pointed it at those three things very specifically with specific goals, specific actions, and an intensity of execution that I had genuinely never used my entire life. Okay. And that was very different. Okay. And what were, what were those three areas? So the first is, is my health situation. So, you know, I had been working out very mindlessly. Like I get on the elliptical, cover the screen with a magazine and in a half an hour, it'd be beeping. Like I didn't even know I'd worked out basically. I'm like, no more of that. It's intervals programs. You're watching the screen to know when to really kick it in. And I did that that first morning. Um, I plotted a course. I said, you know, I'm 222. I weighed myself that morning. I want to get to 185 by the end of the year. So July 1st to December 31st, that's a considerable amount of weight, but it's not impossible, but it would take real work. You know, this isn't lose five pounds because that's not where my life should be. My life should be at a healthy, sustainable weight. That's what a goal is. You know, goal is not like the five pounds is great. That's a step along the way. Set the true goal of where you want to take it. Now that can be really daunting. It's like when I had a hundred pounds to lose, there were years that I wouldn't start because it's just, you look at it and it's like looking up at Mount Everest from the bottom and you have no shoes. on. How do you do that? But the thing about climbing a mountain, you don't just step to the top. So it's a, it's a function of every single day you get up and you do what you need to do in pursuit of your goals. And that, that I can talk about some more, but that's essentially what do a day itself is. It's that execution path. Great. Great. And we will absolutely come back to that. But that first was, was the, the health and the wellness. So I set my specific weight target and I didn't get there. So I didn't get to 185 at the end of the year. I actually got there by my 33rd birthday, which was in October. So I got wow. there early, which I, I still wow. can't believe I lost. Um, actually got a little bit. I was, I think I was like 186 that morning. So, but essentially there, you know, maybe if that's I had a- one less glass of water or something, whatever. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. But that's incredible. Yeah. So that's, and I've, I've actually, I'm, I'm not there right now. I got down to 180, which was where I really should, should have been by the end of the year. And I've basically sustained that since the end of 2011. Um, I'm actually, I was 175 this morning. It, I'm wow. already seeing 170 something and the very low 180s consistently. And actually, that's not something I do on purpose anymore. Mm. I have a lifestyle that naturally leads me to stay at a healthy weight, which is where I was trying to get to. I don't, I don't want to, like I always said, I live the first half of my life obese and the second half trying not to be. That's right. a, as miserable a way to describe your life. Like, what do you do for your, for your life? Oh, I try not to be fat, <laughs> you know? And then exercise is a punishment and it's a, a tool instead of something. Like I've come to learn, I actually love exercise. I love running, which I never thought I would say because I do it for the actual enjoyment of it. And the running is, is also like, that's my Zen. I do a lot of thinking when I'm out running. Right. And then you can't do that if you're doing it to not be fat, you know, that stands in the way of enjoyment. So I live a totally different life and my weight is a complete non-issue today. Amazing. Amazing. So 
health that was your first one that's yeah. handled and that's been there since for the last seven years yeah what were, the, what were the other two areas um i had been working at an amazing company that was becoming less amazing um the founder was running the show when i joined and and he was just a beautiful inspiring person and he had passed away um and the new regime was great very talented very capable management but really different purpose and um the culture was shifting and becoming far more political. I'm just not caught that way. I really don't care to play those games. Sure. I think I think the good rises to the top unless the game players stand in the way. So Agreed. I was recognizing it was still fairly early days, but I started to see like, okay, this is not ultimately where I need to be culturally. It's not healthy for me. So that was a um, that was about taking some specific actions to start the process to have other opportunities. So about networking and starting to work on my resume and that sort of thing. And also there were some internal things. What can I do in that situation to protect myself from that sort of feeling? So, yes. you know, what sort of performance, what things can I engage in to help build the right sort of coalition so that I'm not, you know, constantly in the midst of these games. Mm. And that was, that was a longer term play. Um, you know, also because of my home situation, I couldn't just quit. You know, I was the only one working. So I, you know, and we right. desperately needed the income and the, yeah. the health insurance. Um, so it's not like, you know, I could just tomorrow, like stand up, be bold and pave my own way. So that, that was a longer one. And the last was probably the most important, although at the time I, I felt like the weight loss was, um, that was finally doing something about this anxiety. And uh, my wife had been begging me for years and I had every excuse in the book of why I was too busy or, you know, things at home. I couldn't just walk away and go, you know, talk to someone for an hour and now more than ever, but it was also so crucial more than ever. And so I talked to her about it and she's like, thank God, you know, you've needed to do this for the longest time. <laughs> I know it's bad timing, but we'll find a way, you know, right. if we need someone to come hang out for an hour or, you know, my sister lived nearby, we'd, we'd just found someone to help out with our son during the day. So it's like, you know, if we need to pay them extra to stay at night, like whatever it is, you're not figuring out how to have 80 sessions with someone. You're just figuring out how to have this one. Right. And that, that relieves a lot of that weight of like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this forever? You know, how are we going to pay like 80 times hundred dollars an hour or whatever it is? You know, it's like, right. that's very big. That's the hundred pounds. So we're not, you know, I'm not yeah. having all those sessions and paying all those bills and taking all that time right now. No, just the session in front of you, right? Yeah, that's it. So those were the three key things. And um, that was the beginning of the transformation. I will say I've achieved a lot since then. And um, you could call them a lot of impossible goals, but actually I was just saying this to someone the other day, they weren't even on the list for me to scratch off as impossible. You know, I didn't even have them on the bucket list of like, oh, but that'll never happen. They weren't even in the realm of consideration to blow off as not being doable. It's like running a marathon, no way. That wasn't even on the radar screen. Becoming vegan, I had no interest. I didn't think it was possible. I thought it's too hard and pointless. Um, I'm a C-level executive at a competitor of that company from before. You know, here I was feeling like my career is doomed. I'm going to be trapped and totally different situation, let alone like publishing a book, having it become a bestseller, writing for a major magazine. I just did a TED Talk last week. Amazing. Um, Amazing. You know, none of this was even like, forget the radar screen, like radar hadn't even been invented yet to figure this stuff out. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, I mean, this obviously an incredible story here of like the, the shifts and, you know, what you've just outlined, the things you've done. 
So, and, and what I hear is, is you, you used the metaphor earlier, you know, climbing Mount Everest, like with no shoes on or standing at the bottom, as it were. So I know this kind of taking it one step at a time, as it were, is, is a very central philosophy to you. So, yeah. so and your book is called Do A Day. So tell us a little bit about that and kind of what that has enabled you to do, as it were. Yeah. So do a day, you know, when, when you, when you start from the place of, of self-love, that's a solid ground you begin in because you need to believe that you deserve better and you need to believe that you're capable of better. And as a society, we're not great at this. You know, we all, we get in competitions of who worked later last night, whose boss is worse, you know, like mm-hmm. who's, who has more stress at home or what, and, and the winner is the person who's more miserable. Like that's the societal norm. So that's, that's an issue we have and that's reinforced and we don't take compliments. You know, I, sure. I always use the example, you go to someone's house for dinner and you're like, oh, you know, thanks so much. It was delicious. It's like, oh, you know, I, I, the steak was overcooked. Oh, it's God, like, yeah. What is yeah, that? It's, it's just pronounced thank you. You know, like just, so I told people, stop the butt. Like as soon as that word butt forms in your mind when someone pays you a compliment, just stop. Just allow for that good to be out there. It's a little bit of change that starts to have a big effect on you when you compound it. So the first piece is, is self-love and that's crucial. And actually I missed that, the importance of it explicitly when I first published Do A Day. So it's just a year old now and I've just released a revision and that's, that's a new chapter is on self-love because it's just so crucially important. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's piece one. Then, then we get into that true motivation. You know, for me, it was thrust upon me, but I, I try to help, I pose some questions that I want people to ask themselves to help bring it to the surface. And what I would say is whatever answer you come up with to those questions is going to be wrong. And I don't mean it's completely wrong. I mean, it's too surface level. So you have to ask the questions, but then you have to dig deeper on each of the answers. So whatever you come up with, you have to ask why, 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 you know, for each answer, there's another deeper level answer beneath that, that you have to get down to. It's not, you need a new job that pays better because you want a bigger salary. Like that's, that's material that, you know, that's stuff and things. That's not values. That's not going to drive your life. And what happens if the job is miserable, but it pays better. That's not sustainable. So why do you need to make more money? You know, that's that first why. And then it's like, well, because, you know, we're talking about having a family and, and we have this little one bedroom apartment and we can't, you know, we can't raise a family in that. So I want to, well, like, why do you want to have a family? Well, you know, I wanted to have this kind of life and I want to, the joy of children, like whatever it is, you start yep. pushing bigger and bigger or deeper and deeper. And what started with the financial gain is now talking about the value of your, yourself in relation to your children and your spouse. And like, now we're starting to get deeper. We're talking about family. Yes. We're talking about creating something. And so you see the differences like from material to values. So Absolutely. Push, push deeper. And, and there's a number of questions that I pose. The big one is, the, the sort of sum it up one is what will you always care about no matter what? And, and whatever the answer is, dig, just keep on digging. Cause, and it could take years and that scares people. I don't like, that's fine. It took me, you know, I've, I've discovered that level about me, not just about my wife and my son, six years after the event and writing a book on it wasn't enough. That's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with growth and a journey. It's a beautiful thing to keep expanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, that, that's one of the things we tend to fall into, even if, if we are people who set goals. It's like it's about getting to that, that end point. But actually, when you get to that end point, you, you, you've kind of continued to grow, haven't you? So yeah. that's yeah, why. Exactly. 
that's why digging deeper is that's that's the the more constant thing as it were yeah so and your your goal can have an endpoint but your motivation can't so i lost weight the first time because i didn't want kids in high school to think of me as the fat kid and then i lost weight and i went to college and no one knew me so my my motivation was over so guess what i gained weight yeah because it wasn't it wasn't there anymore to help counteract that anxiety and the depression that was causing me to be overweight to begin with so you need something that's going to endure through time Mm. goals goals can be time bound they should be and that's that's the next piece is those specific kind of goals you know i gave the three examples that i faced and then do a day is the execution against it and that's it took a while to get to this point but um do a day is is a mindful way to go about the day-to-day in pursuit of your goals so we the, the word day is is probably it's the starting place for for it it's the most important piece of it is like every day it's only right now yet we bring with us all this pain from yesterday and we bring with us the pain of of the thing the hardships we experienced the mistakes that we made that we regret or maybe it's things we've lost that we're longing for and all that negativity clouds today and we make choices as a result of that so if you had an argument with someone yesterday and now you're going to interact with them you know you're not walking into that discussion or that that interaction free and positive. And so guess what? You're probably going to be on edge. They're probably going to read that. And it's going to lead to a specific kind of outcome that isn't as good as if everyone had wiped the slate clean. Now, I'm not saying that's just like, just forget everything. You need to talk about it. You need to work through it. But if you're carrying that anger and that judgment and that regret or whatever pain into today, it will affect your actions today. So you're missing out on your opportunity for a better today because of yesterday's pain. Right. And at the same time tomorrow. So we do, and this was my big thing was the future anxiety. So we, we act today from this place of fear of what's going to go wrong later, what we're going to have to deal with, how much more we have to do, or it could even be a good thing. It could be anticipation of some great thing, you know, that no one sleeps the night before their wedding. Now that could be fear and it could be because you're so excited. It depends. Mm -hmm. You're, you're giving up the present moment because of all of these emotions tied to what you believe will happen in the future, whether it's going to happen or not. And so whether it's because of yesterday or tomorrow, you end up throwing away today, which is actually all you have. Like it's never yesterday and it's never tomorrow. Right. So when you can free yourself from those two things and you're in this present moment, then you, then the first word comes in. It's a verb do do what you have to do in pursuit of your goals in this moment, free of what you did or didn't do or how well or poorly you did it before and how much more you're going to have to do tomorrow or how hard it may or may not be or what may happen or not happen as a result of it or whether if you fail in those actions, what, what the mm. result may be. None of that's happening. So just get on with it today and, and take that action for those goals. That is freeing, inspiring, and empowering if you allow it to be. Right, right. And, it, and the, but it sounds like the key to this um, is, as you say, it's that mindful piece, isn't it? Yeah, of, of knowing because we, we we so often go into the past or the future without even think, without even being conscious of it. Yeah, it is a very mindless way that we go about it, and those things are powerful, and those those emotions and the the baggage is deep rooted, so they they will come back in if you're not actively thinking about right now. And, mm. and you can recognize them. So someone gave me the analogy. It was actually my wife. She's like, you know, picture yourself in Times Square or, you know, some busy, some busy place where there's cars and people rushing by. 
you see the cars. It's not to say like, oh, you know, there is no traffic. You know, this like Zen fake sense of the world. No, like there are cars there, but you can watch them and they can go by. You don't have to step in front of them. So mm. the, the cars of the future and the past or the people, they're all moving around and that's fine. But you can acknowledge their existence without, you know, stepping in their way, letting them hit you. It's, mm. a, different, it's a different interaction with them. Very much so. And it, it's, uh, it's the word that's kind of coming up for me is kind of cultivation. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, this c- cultivating an awareness, cultivating a mindset, cultivating a, a focus, if you like. Yeah. To, to almost, I mean, I remember it's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you was because food has always been one of my things. And I remember many, well, I say many years ago, probably 10 years ago, I did a 12 step program around food. And one of the big things there was keep it in the day, mm-hmm. which is easier said than done, as it were. So, what, so for you, as you kind of were going through your journey to kind of uh, deal with the anxiety, to lose the weight, to kind of shift your, your kind of career, as it were. How was it that you were able to literally do a day, as it were, when it, when it got really challenging? How yeah. were you able to kind of stay in that mindset, as it were? Yeah, you know, a really big piece of it is that true motivation, because you're going to have to come back to that in those tough times. So that, that phrase, dig deep, this is what you're digging for. It's the thing that's going to get you back to center. So when I was, you know, in, in the worst of it or dealing with the most of it, it's like just taking a moment to remember why does any of this matter? And that's why your motivation has to be at that deepest level because it's going to be so powerful that it can nearly bring you to tears or if you're a crier, maybe it will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the thing that's going to get you, you know, like snap you back on the course. Is like, yeah, this is what it's about because actually the body is much... Uh, much more capable than the mind allows it to be. So if you can, Absolutely. if you can switch the mind back on the path, your body will get there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that the capability is there, but for your mind telling you it isn't and that motivation can bring you back to it. So that's a really big piece of it. And the other is just the presence of mind to recognize when I'm spiraling because of tomorrow or yesterday. So just, just the other day, my wife and son were talking about um, a bunch of trips that they want to take and, I was feeling particularly caught financially and that's not necessarily real or fake. I just, sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know, but I have to earn all this money to pay for that. And, and, and I, I was starting to spiral and it was a spiral around all of the hours I'm going to have to work, you know, and, and the tough things I'm going to have to endure at work and how much the trip is going to cost. And it's like, we're not going on these trips right now. We're not even booking them right now. Why am I worrying? Like, right my son's a little kid. He's excited by it. Let him say what he wants to say about like, wouldn't this be cool if we did this and that and just leave it there. So I, I recognize it I actually stepped away for a moment and I did a bit of meditation on these ideas to just bring myself back to center is like, hang on, you're spiraling. You're starting to feel discomfort for things that aren't actually happening. Mm. And you know, maybe he'll go on a game show and win the trips. So you never know. Like, yeah, you never know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no sense in worrying about it. He's very smart and he likes puzzles. You never know. Like it, it is all possible. Absolutely. Uh, and so what, it's just, it's that, it's that presence, that, that yeah. presence of mind. And what I love about that and the story you just told there, Brian, is it's the, these things are these challenges or we never quite get it handled, do we? It's not like, you know, you're kind of, I really get that you're not sitting from some, from some mountaintop kind of espousing, keep it in the day and do a day and I've got it all sorted. 
I mean, yeah. it's something, it's a, a philosophy and a practice. It sounds like you continue to practice every day, as it were. Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at someone like the Dalai Lama, he meditates every day. He practices every day. He tells beautiful stories of his own humanness. And it's like, if, you know, if you look at him, you look at the Pope or any of these, like, you know, supreme spiritual leaders, they have struggles too. They have thoughts that they need to work through. They're beautiful people, but it's, it's very real. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, now I'm fine. That's not life. You know, life is not full of everything's perfect. It's not a question of that. So I absolutely have moments where I'm struggling or where I make tougher decisions or I'm not sure which way to go or how it will work out. And sometimes I'm not, I'm not able to rein it back in and it gets the better of me for a period of time. Mm. But often, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a majority of the time that you're gunning for, you're not going to reach perfection and just be okay with that. Often, I'm good enough to get through it. And there's a really key point, right? You, we start, one of the places we started was self-love and that place of being good enough without being perfect is a really big part of that, I feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, so I'm kind of curious, because you mentioned a little bit about meditation there and that kind of stuff, and you, you clearly have a lot going on, uh, and I want to come to that in a second, but what kind of daily routines or practices or habits do you use that kind of keep you focused and motivated yeah so i do i do try to med- meditate or i do meditate i don't try to i do meditate on a daily basis i try to get in at least 10 minutes um, but there's some days where for whatever reason it's it's less but i make sure i at least take even just a minute to just set my intention for the day and tie it back to that core motivation so what are the big goal-related things? Not the little tasks of like, you know, life's got a lot of little to-dos that don't necessarily have anything to do with anything or, yeah. or so you think. Um, I think about the big things that I have and just bring myself back to how does that fit in with ultimately where I'm trying to get to. And, you know, so like this interview is one of the things this morning. I'm like, okay, you know, this is one of the key things I have today in terms of what I'm trying to achieve with this work. And what do I want to make sure comes across? What do I want to make sure my mindset is at, you know, so that I'm, I'm as effective and, and can help as many people who are listening as possible. So it's, it's bringing that centering back to it and mindfulness back to it. And what can I do before we start that interview to help get me in the right place? Mm. And when I catch things that I'm really struggling to see the connection, that's a sign to me that maybe that's not something that I should be engaging in because I do have a lot going on. And, and I can usually tell like, look, this just isn't sitting right with me. Something about this feels like it's not really tied to my path and I don't have the time. I shouldn't make the time for things that pull me off of it because there's a cost to that. Nothing is free. There's an energy suck. There's a time suck. Even if it just means I could sit in bed and do nothing, but feel a bit of relaxation there's probably more value in that than doing something that actually takes me away from the path. It's, it's, this always struck me in businesses is this term, you know, creating value, adding value. The opposite of it, I always thought was just not adding value. It's not, it's actually destroying value, which right. sounds so extreme, but it's true. We have fixed resources, whether it's our time or energy or passions or money, whatever it is. So if you're not putting that towards adding a value, you're inherently destroying value because you're not going after the actual opportunity. Mm. And that when you have that realization, there's, there's this um, 
a friend of mine did a podcast with this, this friend of his, this guy, Dr. Kayvon K out in Canada, who has this brilliant way of putting it. He's like, you know, it's kind of like Yoda. There's no uh, try or try not. It's only <laughs> right. So he was like, um, there's no, there's no like, there's only love or hate. And if you don't want to say hate, you can just say don't love. And you should only do what you love. Cause if it's in the middle, it's taking away from your ability to do what you love. And that feels a little bit utopian because I don't love paying my bills, but um, I do love having a home. I do yeah. love having a safe place for my wife and son and me. And, you know, so it's like, okay, now I see the connection back to it. So while I may not love that action, I love what the action facilitates. And so that makes the list. Mm. And when you apply that filter, it is extreme, but it's extreme on purpose because otherwise we end up in this mindless, like just handling the whirlwind of crap that's thrown at you every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to, uh, there are a couple of places I could go here, but I, I, I want to cover both of this were In that place of doing the stuff that you love, I mean, the thing that, you know, that comes back to the maverick kind of doing what authentically and true heartedly pulls them, as it were. But sometimes the thing that gets in the way is, you know, we want to, for some of us, you know, we want to please other people or we want to make sure that other people aren't negatively impacted. There's that kind of, what's the, what's the, we assume a negative impact on other people. Yeah. And I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts would be around that kind of thing and reframing it maybe, or finding a different path. Yeah. So, you know, the idea of do no harm. Um, I think you should always try to do things in a way that don't hurt others. Um, and I think actually that's often people's intention, even when you think that they're out to harm you, what they're trying to do is achieve whatever they're looking to achieve, whatever they want. And, it, you may be a casualty in that process. But when you recognize that they didn't wake up today and like, the only thing I want is to hurt that person. Mm. Like they may, it may be to win the argument or to have their, you know, their side of the story accepted or whatever, but it's not, you getting harmed is more likely than not an outcome of that. Now it doesn't mean you have to like it or anything, but when you recognize they're just seeking to be happy, that can change the way you interpret it. And um, I have a, an example of, and, and I, struggle giving this because I don't want people to think just seek me out on the highway and cut me off. But I got cut off on the highway. Mm. This guy cut in front of me, um, pretty unsafe, you know, not, not great, but I actually laughed. Whereas, you know, maybe a few years ago, I would have stuck up a particular finger on one of my hands and maybe started mm -hmm. yelling um, or, or worse yet, struggled to get in front of him just to teach him a lesson, like, yep. like even possible. Um, I laughed because it was like, look, this guy's just, he was in a, a commercial van with like a plumbing business. I'm like, he's either trying to get to a job, you know, maybe someone's, you know, their, their pipes have backed up and they've got like sewage in their home. Like he's, he's either trying to get somewhere that's so important to him that he should drive unsafely to try to get there, or he just wants to get home. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, wherever he's trying to get, it's that important to him that being one car further up was worth it. Wow. So, you know what? I'm not in that kind of rush. That's okay. He's not like, I'm going to cut this guy off today because that's what I'm trying to achieve. He's like, oh, I got to get there. Oh, I can sneak in front of this guy. Right, you know? right, right. His intention is different from the reactionary way I would have felt about it before. So if, if you recognize that, it's a lot easier to appreciate other people's actions or not be so hurt by it. And then you don't seek to harm them as much. Or you may be more willing to find another path that is less likely to cause that harm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I can <laughs> I can just imagine you you kind of sitting and laughing at that. Whereas uh, I can Im- imagine how a lot of people would feel about that. So yeah, yeah what yeah. what an amazing thing. So um, so one of the things you were talking talking about there was you know what people are trying to achieve. And you're now in a place where you're a, a marathon runner, a C-level exec in a, in a major company. Um, you've written a book. You're, you act as a coach and a speaker. So where are you going with this, this work? And what is it you're trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, the whole reason why I do this is to try to help people change their lives. Not me, but you know, if, I, if I can help them along that way. Um, I've had a, an amazing mentor who helped me. And he's like, you, you're the one who made the change. You were walking through the desert trying to do better, trying to get to your goal. I gave you some water along the way, but it was you. So I want to be that to people. I, even if I did full-time 24-7 coaching, I wouldn't affect as many lives as I wish I could because more is better. I don't care about the selling of the book and all that. Like, If your message is real and you're having an impact, all that follows. So my intention is just to help as many people as I possibly can because I know it works and I know it has an impact. So that's where I'm heading with this. And I know that's an amorphous non-answer, but at the same time, like whatever path that looks like, that's what I want to achieve. If I could be doing this full time in any way, shape or form, having the broadest impact possible, Mm -hmm. that's ultimately where I want to go. And what does that mean for my day job? What does that mean for anything else? I don't know. And I'm not bothered by it. Because if, if I'm, you know, meant to be on stages around the world, speaking to people, and that's how I'm going to have the impact, beautiful. I want to pursue that. If I'm meant to be, you know, just doing podcasts and putting out a book every few years, like I'm working on my next one, which should have been out already, but it's a time commitment. <laughs> Real life, right? Yeah, Real life. But I'm not judging myself, self-love. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, out, but, right? <laughs> um, then that's what it means. I'm just, I'm not bothered by it. I'm incredibly blessed. I do have an absolutely amazing day job and if that's how I spend the rest of my days that's fine that's good and if it's not how I continue to do things because I'm able to do this you know this whole do a day thing full time beautiful then that's what it means so I'm not bothered by it but I whatever it is I want to know that this message is out there it's having an impact and the best part of it is when I get pretty much every day I've heard from someone who's been inspired by it that's what I want like that's the payback for it love it i absolutely love that and what i really it, it's funny you, you you said you know it's a bit of a, an amorphous non answer blob of a non-answer or whatever and actually i would say it's, it, it's it's a very good answer because i think you know one of the things i see with people that i work with and you know it's been true of my journey as well is that often we don't know exactly how it's going to unfold that's we're right just, we're just following a, a an intuition or an energy or whatever else that is and as you say, doing what we do each day, but we, we can't control the outcome, right? Yeah. So I, I, would, I, love it. I would say, you know, I have specific things I want to achieve in this journey. And I had two things on a vision board that a mentor asked me to put together. One was doing a TED talk and I've done one. I have another one this summer. So, you know, that's great. And I will continue that. It's not like it's done and I don't care now. I, I love doing it. I want to keep doing it because that's a yeah. great way to spread the, the inspiration. The other is to sit across from Oprah in the woods on her show. Now I assume she's having some sort of phone trouble because I haven't heard from her yet. But <laughs> when I when I put that out there, you know, some people laughed. And what I, I I was talking to a group I worked with last night, and I was saying, you know, one thing you need to keep in mind is if you don't put it out there, if you don't, if you want something with someone, if you want a connection and you don't ask them, 
That's the only way to guarantee you will never have it. So people can laugh at me for saying that if they want, but look, I'm not on her show now. So I have absolutely nothing to lose by putting that out there. If I don't put it out there, if I don't take the steps to try to make it happen, then I will guarantee I don't have it. So that's, that's a big part of how I've gone about this. You know, whether it's being on show, like writing for Inc. Magazine, I wasn't writing for them before. All I had to do was ask and worst case scenario, nothing changes and I continue to not be writing for them. Right. But taking that chance paid off. Putting the book out, if no one bought it, but you know, my mother probably would, that was a safe bet. But if no one but my mother and me bought it, that's fine because I got something out of writing it, but I have no shot of changing anyone's life if I don't write it. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely right. So just, just a last couple of questions just to kind of bring this in as it were. If you were offering uh, some wisdom to a maverick just starting out or even someone kind of partway, say, through their career or their life but wanting to make change, what wisdom would you give them? Yeah, so it, to me, it's, it's two really key, <clears throat> excuse me, building block questions. The first is the self-love bit. And almost everybody is struggling with that, even the most positive people in the world. So reflect on that, put more time into it and recognize those little places where you're beating it down. Um, and don't just use humility as an excuse or the desire not to be seen as egotistical. I define egotistical really specifically. It's not someone who accepts compliments or has nice thoughts about themselves. It's someone who outwardly praises themselves for things that they aren't doing. And that's a, that's a different, you know, that's a different being than someone says, thank you for something and you push back or compliments you on your haircut or the work that you did or the speech you gave or whatever it is and dismissing their enjoyment of what you've put out there. Mm. That's not being egotistical. So stop using humility and social grace as an excuse for putting yourself down or not allowing the positivity. So that literally, if you can't do that and everyone can, it's whether you choose to allow it. If you stand in the way of self-love, the rest of everything that we talked about for the past hour is completely meaningless because you won't get there if you don't allow it to be. So that's, you know, as I say, like, you'll never have it with that attitude. Yeah. So that, that is like, please just spend some time in that. And the other is figure out your true motivation. Even if you think you have it, press, press on that why really start to get down deeper into it and find out like, what are the absolute must haves that you always care about in your life and focus on those and use those as your guide in what you should actually engage in and how you should engage in it. Get those two things together and the goals and the execution, you know, keep that mindful execution. You will start to realize like just how much you can achieve. And I always say success leads to more success. Mm. Like wins lead to wins. The, the more you do better, then you'll start having all these achievements that, as I said, you know, at the opener, weren't even on the list to consider impossible. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. So final question, and this is the one I always close with. And it, that question is, what is the one question that I haven't asked you that you would have liked to have been asked? And what is your answer to that? Oh, I could give you another non-answer because I, I, I really feel like... I don't look back and be like, oh, he never said this, or I wish I'd said that. It's, a, it's a, re, a genuine conversation. And I think we talked about what we needed to talk about. It's the same way someone asked me how the TED Talk went. And if I had any regrets, it's like, I said everything I wanted to say. I didn't say anything I didn't want to say. Everything can go differently, but that yep. doesn't mean it should. So 
if we left something out, I'm not feeling it because I think this was really genuine. I think we got to the heart of it. And I hope it was, you know, in, in a real manner that people take away a bit of inspiration that they're willing to pursue. So I don't, I don't have anything that I would regret. I know I should have like some standard. <laughs> no, no. Some, yeah. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I wouldn't be us. And some people are like, you know what? We're good. And so yeah. it, it's, just, it's just a good one. So, so just on that last thing then, where can people find out about you? Yeah, so there's, there's two, two websites. If you can figure out how to spell my name, then you can go to brianfalchuk.com and everything's there. If you can't figure out how to spell my name, we've mentioned my book. It's called Do A Day. Go to doadaybook.com. So it's do a day and it's a book.com. Um, everything, you can get to everything I do from either of those, but um, do a day book, you, know, you can get the book there. It's literally on every bookseller. You know, it's on Amazon, US, UK, globally, Kindle, Absolutely. print. It's on iTunes, all that. Um, but yeah, you don't have to worry about how to find it. Just go to doadaybook.com and you can find everything there, including I'm really active on Twitter. Um, that's one of the, the joys of writing for magazines. You have to keep pushing that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, and I'm, I'm at Brian Falchuk, but again, you got to learn how to spell my name if you want to do that. So there's just uh, an easy right. link there. We'll have it all all in the show notes spelled properly yeah, as, opposed to, as opposed to my, uh, my, my diary invite, as it were. And I just have to say, um, I think I read Do A Day in literally a matter of hours. I bought yeah. it on Kindle and I literally was reading it on my iPhone. I was reading it on my Kindle as I was traveling. And uh, it, it, it's it's actually one of the few kind of self-help books that for me was an absolute page turner and oh, took a lot from. So it was an amazing book. So I totally recommend it to it. And that's the point. It should be, I want it to be a, a faster read because I don't want you to spend time with my words. I want you to spend time with yours. So get a bit of inspiration and then start doing a day for yourself. That's where the time gets put in, not reading about my story. Love it. Love it. Love it. So thank you so much, Brian, for spending time with us today and for giving us your wisdom and just your beautiful insights. And Mavericks, I hope you've got a lot from this and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks, Chris. Bye now. Hey, listen up. Don't go yet. Did you get something meaningful out of this episode? Well, the most meaningful thing that you can do right now is to go and leave a review on iTunes because those reviews are what keep us here. And please make sure to share and to subscribe to this podcast. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, show us on Instagram with the hashtag Mavericks Unlimited and we'll see you over there. And with that, thanks so much for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast at mavericksunlimited.com. Bye for now.